Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, week three of the NFL season, we're here. We made it. Things are going without snags so far. The fact so that far. there's been zero positive cases, I mean, that's something that's fantastic, first off. Yeah, it is, although you always feel like you need to reach around and knock on something <laughs> as you say these things because you never know. And, and we don't know. It's four months yep. of football. And then you get into... January and February. Now the NFL says, or at least hints, that they could take things into a bubble once the playoffs start, the way Major League Baseball is going to, the way the NHL and the NBA did. But for now, they have to tough it out like this. Yep. They just do. Uh, they, they have to travel. They have to get around to other cities. They have to let players go to their homes and just trust them. That, to me, is the most impressive thing about what's happened with baseball and football is that it's been these players and yep. these coaches who have done this. Not to take credit away from the cleaning crews and, the, and everyone else that's involved, but they've gotten this done, not some bubble. Now, players are going home to their families mm -hmm. where you don't know who their significant others or their kids might be around, kids might be going to school. There's so many factors here. But the fact that, again, I mean, zero positive cases. It's something zero. To, zero. It's commendable. It really it, it, is. It really is. And the best part is we get to talk about actual football here. Remember when we couldn't? And you were just like this cyber creation who I'd never <laughs> even met. Like, it was only about a month ago that I came in here and I go, oh, my God, Jenna's real. Look at this. <laughs> it was through the Zoom screen. We were, you know, right. picture boxes next to each other. It's great that we're here now. We're talking about football. Steelers are 2-0. I think... There were some things this week where a lot of people were like, oh, no, this shouldn't be happening. We heard Ben say again, you know, there's a lot of mistakes we're making. There's things that we need to work on. But at the end of the day, we're still making these mistakes and we're winning these football games. Are these small mistakes kind of correctable for this Steelers yeah. team? I mean, what do you think? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if, when you're talking about 10 penalties against the Broncos, that's not good, no. obviously. When you're talking about four DPIs, defensive pass interference, that's not good. But then when you look at them closely and you see that Devin Bush didn't even touch uh. the dude. Uh, and that was the one, if you remember, Vince Williams was just freaking out. I don't know if they showed this on TV, but, but you and I could see it at the stadium where yeah. it's just like Vinny's just going berserk back there. Uh, some of the calls were legit. Mm -hmm. uh, the block in the back, I thought, on the Deontay Johnson punt return was legit. Yep. Those are all correctable. You know what's not correctable? If your team can't make 84-yard touchdown passes. If your team can't have a T.J. Watt for pressure for two and a half sacks and a thousand other QB hits. If your team can't knock out all the quarterbacks that it faces, okay? I look at the Steelers, maybe this is a, a glass, glass, glass full uh, approach, but I look at them more from the big play standpoint. 
than I do from the small things that they aren't doing because those are correctable. And they are minuscule things. And again, it's a lot of the things to it. We knew that we were going to see some rust. We knew that we were going to see some of these types of things just because of the lack of preseason games in general. And they're starting to get their footing. Again, we see a lot of more, you know, repetitions, a lot more of them, you know, working through these types of things. Granted, the starters aren't the ones obviously playing the majority of the preseason, but a lot of those mistakes, quote unquote, yeah, they get fixed. Yeah, they get yeah. fixed. And they or get fixed in easy. extra snaps, too. One point that Mike Tomlin made with us, and you'll remember this in the summer, was that they lost 900 snaps before training camp. Yeah. Uh, they lost OTAs. They lost mini camp. They lost rookie camp. When they got to training camp, they had to spend the first week primarily focused on acclimating the rookies, yep. which is something that you wouldn't normally have to do. So there was going to be rust. Um, there also is going to be rust as it relates to the quarterback because he's in an extra position of uh, of not having played in a long time since yes. he was out after uh, week two, obviously, of last season. He spoke with us earlier today. I, I thought with admirable candor about uh, how he's had to adjust at his age yep. to throwing a football and making sure that his feet are set. You know what I'm talking about? He's been so hypercritical of himself. Of himself. Yeah, but that's good. That's what you want. The, the only athletes, I shouldn't say the only, but most of the athletes who struggle as they get older in any sport are going to be the ones that just will not let go of that same approach that they've used their whole career. Yep. Instead of being a little bit more humble about it and saying, look, I'm now this. Yep. And I now have to do this. And I now have to, like Ben was saying, I can't drop down to three quarters anymore. Yep. So the throw he, he made across his body to Deontay Johnson, you know which one I'm talking about. That on, was on the, the, the touchdown. The touchdown run, yeah. First of all, Ben says, I threw it behind him. It was a bad pass, which is, it was a little bit behind a him, little, but it's but anything it was, but a bad pass, oh, okay? Beautiful. Yeah, the, the result was beautiful because yeah. he's running to his right and he throws back. There's a lot of pressure on the arm. So on one hand, Ben's being... Uh, smart about it yeah. uh, and on the other hand he's still being a little bit daring yeah do you know what I'm saying we're seeing him move I think in ways that not a lot of people expected him to be moving obviously Ben does what he does with his ability to extend plays but hashtag Ben being Ben <laughs> seriously but you look at I don't know I'm looking at him compared to the way I'm seeing Drew Brees and even a little bit of Tom Brady and I'm not seeing oh no they're statues yeah oh yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing yeah. Ben is still He's still not shy about rolling out. Uh, as we saw in, in the game in, in East Rutherford, he's not shy about going forward when he needed nope. to with that 11-yard <laughs> gain. Um, he has to maintain some of that. He has to still be who he is. Uh, but at the same time, again, there's that humility that's involved in this, and it's going to serve him well. I really believe that. And we even heard Juju today talking about, you know, why he is such a good quarterback because, you know, so many people at his age, Juju was saying, you know, probably wouldn't be making those adjustments, and that's what right. makes Ben exactly the guy he is. I mean, he's going to continue to work at his craft. So these things are, are little. Yeah. Big is, oh, my God, Ben can't throw the football anymore, okay? <laughs> little is... Ben needs to not drop to three quarters yeah. when he's running across his body. So there's a there's a series of these types of things. Um, that's not to suggest that they're just going to snap their fingers and they're all going to go away and they're going to mow through the Houston Texans, who are actually a really good team for 0-2. Yep. Uh, it, it does mean that there's work ahead, but it's work that can be done. I keep coming back to all these big plays they're making by big-time playmakers. You can't find those on the street, no. you know? 
the wealth of that offense right mm -hmm. now is something to talk about for sure. Well, be here to stick with us on Halftime Adjustments coming up. We are talking some Pirates baseball. Stick with us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, the Pirates. We're just taking a breath. I like the exhale there <laughs> that accompanied that. You need, you need the sigh because... they won last the, night? You know, hey, a they, win's a win. They don't need your exhale today. They don't need it today. I mean, they had a nice walk-off win, but more important than the Jacob Stallings home run, they had a second consecutive really, really well-pitched game by Stephen Brault. Yep. And what you're looking for in this final few games, final whatever it is, um, just these last couple of games against the Cubs and then the Indians over the weekend up in Cleveland is just do something. Yep. Just get better. Actually, no, you know what? I can hear everybody who's watching this right now going, no, just lose just because, <laughs> of the, because of the draft pick. Uh, they're going to end up with the first overall pick. Yep. Um, I, I don't think that's in doubt. If it is, got to start doing some devious oh, things. Oh, man. That's you know one of I mean? those things people would, I feel like people, Pirates fans would say, you know, of course, leave it to the Pirates. To oh, bring back close, Miguel but. Del Pozo and send him out there against the Indians and say, <laughs> and say son, you're going seven. There it's you your go. Complete if game. your arm falls off in the fifth, we're sending you back out for the oh. sixth. Um, it, it's been that kind of year where you're looking for kind of any kind of individual bright spots. Yeah. And there's a couple of them. There I mean, are there couple. are a couple of them. What we've seen from Brault has looked really good in his last couple. Although Brault finished that way last year. Yep. And it was, it, it didn't exactly carry over. And in fairness, he had a shoulder injury in spring training 1.0. Um, Stallings is one. Now, he's 31 years old, which can kind of deflate whatever you think about him because you're thinking, oh, yeah, we're building with young players, and then your best guy is 31. Um, Kibrian Hayes is obviously. I, I, I mean, is, I've run out of adjectives for this kid. Is there the same hype, though? I he, feel like I keep hearing this a lot. Is there the same hype around Hayes that there was around Brian Reynolds? And is there a reason for that? Is that is that a good comparison of in terms of the hype? Obviously not the um, No, because there. Reynolds never really got hyped. Yeah. Reynolds showed up one day as an injury replacement and then never went away. And then just stayed. And they wanted to send him back so bad. <laughs> they, they wanted, because of the, the, the service clock and everything, yep. they wanted to send him back. And he just wouldn't allow it. He just kept going two for five, three for five every day. And, and they couldn't send him back. Uh, so I don't know that he ever got hyped up. Kevin Newman ended up having almost as good a rookie season. Mm. He never really got hyped up. Um, and Kibrian is in a different spot than the last guy who came up you know, which was Garrett Cole, and then before that, Andrew McCutcheon, who really got hyped up his prospects in the sense that Key Bryan came up to the Titanic. You know, I mean, he, he comes up here, and the, the ship is already at the bottom of the ocean. It's already that's that cracked in half oh, moment, already going. Nothing. Half. It's it's yeah. Even the lifeboats are done. Not to get grizzly on <laughs> here, but everything is gone by the time Key gets up here. Yeah. Um, and he's held his. Oh my! I was about to say he's held his head above water. 
That was perfect. You timed that too well. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Titanic metaphor. Yeah. Right. As long as you don't start doing Celine Dion here. He, uh, he, he's been really, really good offensively, yeah. defensively. We all knew what he was going to be. Absolutely. Uh, but it's the little stuff, the base running, the, the, the awareness on the field, some of the smarts that he's shown. Yeah. Um, he looks like the son of a big leaguer, which he is, of course, Charlie Hayes. Um, he's exciting. JT Brubaker's been promising. Yeah, that's, that's a good word to put it. Yeah, yeah no, he, he gives up runs, but he also strikes a lot of guys out. And to go back to the Steelers segment, you're always looking for the things that other people can't do. Exactly. And I like that about him. Um, it, the list runs out. Basically, Jenna, what needs to happen is that Josh Bell, Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, Adam Frazier, assuming you know they even keep all of these guys, yep. they have to get back to being their best selves. Yep. We that's, need to that's been the worst thing about this season. Worse than the injuries, worse than anything else has been that those four guys just they haven't been producing the way that we all know that they can produce and the way that they have shown they can produce in the past. And I think that's got to be a huge frustration and obviously leads to a big reason of why they are in the position that they are right now. And so we can go back to, you know, will it be worth it in the sense if they do get the number one pick tank for Kumar? I know that's been everybody. Yeah, everything. they haven't tanked. I, I know that's been cute hey. on, on, on social, social media yeah. and everything, but. Um, they obviously haven't tanked. If you're no. if you're this close to the end and you're winning in a walk-off fashion, They're, <laughs> you're, not, you're tanking not tanking anything. No, no, no. Um, but it, is he going to be worth it? Uh, is Rocker going to be worth it? For anybody who doesn't know, this is a, a big, and I mean big, strong right-handed pitcher at Vanderbilt oh. University. The number two prospect in all of baseball is another right-handed pitcher also at Vanderbilt University. So they're going to get their pick one way or the other. It's going to be Rocker. Uh, he's built like, not to scare anybody, but he's built like a, a young CC Sabathia. Now, CC ended up being, okay, big knew, yeah. in a lot of different ways. And he's got the velocity. He's got the poise. He's got everything. He's somebody that, if you instruct him right, is going to be a top of your rotation guy. Those are very hard to get. Uh, if you're a team that doesn't spend much in baseball's messed up economic system, which we all know it is very messed up, but it is that uh, that's something that they desperately need. They need oh, that yeah. Well, I mean, every team does, but yeah. a, a team like the Pirates can't get by by going out and getting free agent starting no. pitchers. No. They have to be homegrown. And one of the many awful things left in the residue of the Neil Huntington, Kyle Stark uh, system is that it was basically just Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, and... <laughs> and there you go. There it is. Through the whole system. Yep. And it, it's scary. And Ben Charrington needs to replenish pitchers more than anything else. And this would be a heck of a way to start. This would be not a shabby start mm -hmm. by any means. So it's crazy to think that the baseball season is just about wrapped up, at least regular season-wise. Hard to... It was to really long. Though. Maybe that was just in Pittsburgh for yeah. 60 games. Yeah, you know I what think I mean? here it felt long. Really long. Interminable. <laughs> uh, one of those you snap your fingers, you're like, it's the, what, the days feel long, but the weeks feel short type thing. Something, Something like, like that. Something like those lines. Stick with us on Halftime Adjustments. We're talking NHL coming up. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dane Kovacevic. Dane, we're moving to hockey. At the time of this taping, we're awaiting final word confirmation on a trade between the Panthers and the Penguins, sending Patrick Hornquist to Florida. 
I, I guess this is a slightly past halftime adjustment in this, this program. Isn't oh, it? this is slight. Oh, I like that. I'll be here all week. Slightly past halftime adjustment. Yeah, third, we're going to the third period now, right? That's how this works. Yeah. What else you got? Um, <laughs> I love it. We'll just kind of keep those rolling. <laughs> What what does this mean? What does a trade like this, even just in the talks of it, what does this mean right now? Well, the first thing I think of, um, not to get all sappy here or whatever, but Patrick Hornquist is a special player in Pittsburgh sports history. And I, I, I'm always loath to jump right into, you know, Hey, let's break down who's coming and whatever else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm just speaking for myself here. I, I was on the ice with Patrick Hornquist in Nashville after he scored his cup clinching goal, and he looked up like this at the Raptors. And I asked him afterward what that meant exactly. And it was that the Predators had made him the last pick in the draft. Last pick. The, the, what they call in, in the draft Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. And there's Mr. Irrelevant in the house where he was the last pick and he had just won the Stanley Cup with a very, very Patrick Hornquist-like goal. That's yep. one of the great goals. It's one of the great moments in Pittsburgh sports history. Uh, so I'd like to not think of him from the standpoint immediately of, well, there's cap savings to this and let's talk about Mike Matheson or whatever. So I just, out of respect, uh, Sidney Crosby referred to him as a warrior. I've never heard a better description. That's, of Patrick Hornquist, right? You can picture him with the Swede and the Viking thing and everything else, right? <laughs> um, that said, he wasn't keeping up with the Penguins. Yeah. Mike Sullivan needs a hard, fast, aggressive forecheck. Hornquist will give you the hard. He'll give you the aggressive. It, he wasn't giving you the fast. The speed is not, no. No, and his speed was never great, but I think there's a reasonable thought that maybe he'd lost a step or two he's had so many injuries he's been banged up because he takes that beating because he is a warrior yep that is just the type of player he is and he does have so much sentimental value to this city he's one of those players that i feel like in just the short time that i've been here and even the history of you know watching the penguins from afar mm -hmm. he is one of those players that there's a buzz when he takes the ice there's that love for him that oh he's on your him. team oh yeah that, that, that's that's how you feel when he takes the ice yep um, I've seen the, the occasions where he's come back uh, from one of those injuries and the fans will just as soon as they wait till he comes over the boards and just give him a cheer the first time around. So he'll be he'll be missed. I feel like getting that out of the way. Um, Mike Matheson is the defenseman that, that Florida would be sending. Um, he's strange. Now, I don't mean that like he's like some weirdo. I mean that he is he can fly. Yep. He's 6'2", 180, so he has decent size for that. He's mean, and that's a weird combination, right? It's a weird MO. Yeah. Usually when you have these mobile defensemen, they're like these just these, these uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like, like jitterbug people that are just yeah, flying all over the ice over. and not really bothering anybody else. Yep. He wants to take your head off. Yep. At the same time, he wants to go right around you to score a coast-to-coast -coast goal. And at the same time, he's not particularly good defensively. So what do you do with a player like that? I mean, I'll start by throwing it back to you. What do you what do you do with him? Is he your third pairing defenseman? Is he going to be in that role? I was going to say, is that the role we expect him to kind of fill? Because again, this is something Jim Rutherford talked about in the offseason. Mm -hmm. They need to go out and they need to get those young, quick guys. Yep. And if he is going to bring that speed, he is going to bring that toughness. That's obviously something that you want to see as a Penguins fan. But at the same time, if his 
defensive yeah. mindset isn't spectacular. Where yeah. where yeah, where yeah. does I mean, he, he He's fit? a lefty. He's played on the right side at times, but he, he's a left-handed defenseman. So in Pittsburgh's dream world, he gets Jack Johnson rocketed to the moon. Yep. Uh, Which everyone can. But even that's not that simple because you're losing Justin Schultz and you're losing uh, Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Okay, yeah. so th that was your third pairing. So yep. here you have uh, here you have Mike Matheson, and what do you have? Ch Chad Ruedel, Yuso Rikula, who's a lefty that they don't trust on the right side. Yep. There's. There, it's not done. It seems like there's more questions than answers. So do you put Marcus Pedersen on your third pairing and have John Marino try to carry Matheson? And then do you put because that Because Marino's so good defensively? Yeah, and do you kind of weigh that in that situation and do you almost, not it wouldn't be a burden in a sense, but do you give Marino that responsibility for as young as yeah. he is? No, I think, I think it's, I mean, he's so mature as you know, yeah. but, but at the same time, I don't want to anchor yeah, Marino, wanna, like I, I don't want to say, hey, hey, son, here we, you, we think you're really good. Now here's but. something we're going to attach <laughs> to your ankle here. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want that either. No. So, this isn't a solution. However, I can tell you this: I had a talk with Jim Rutherford. This was whew, a few days ago, and it was just about the Dallas Stars. Believe it or not, we were just talking playoffs. Yep. One of the things he mentioned that he thought was the key to the Stars getting to where they are was that they have all of these offensive defensemen yep. who fly around and move the puck up, and it has overcome the fact that Dallas has mostly older forwards. Yep. So my first thought when I heard the instant that I heard that Hornquist was traded was I'm thinking he's got himself a mobile defenseman. And sure enough, it ended up being a mobile defenseman. But. But. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. There's still <laughs> a lot of questions. It's that one of those moves be. that you would think begets other moves. Yeah. One of those initial, hey, we're going to start with this and see where this goes, mm -hmm. see what other pieces fall into place, what other pieces go other places. Exactly. Kind of exactly. Something to keep an eye on for sure. We're going to be waiting and seeing again at the time of this taping. Not entirely official yet, but just going to be interesting to see where things go from here. But Patrick Hornquist, uh, one more time, uh, special player special person in Pittsburgh sports history. Uh, he wasn't here for very long, but I sure hope that gets remembered. Definitely, definitely. Stick with us on Halftime Adjustments. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Day, and you were just telling me in the break here, you have a Patrick Hornquist Starbucks story that we have to hear. You know, it's funny. We don't have a whole lot of time here, but I was going to tell it to you in the break, and then here we go anyway. Uh, there's a Starbucks in, in Cranberry, right outside where the Penguins practice, and Hornquist was a regular customer. And everybody would know this because he would get out of his car. I'm going to try to picture this, and just picture the way he plays, and just walk like this. To, <laughs> and then he would open the door and then go like this up to where he, to place his order oh. and get his drink and go out of the store. And I remember the first time that he did that and, and I was in there and he just barely says hello because he's got somewhere to be, right? Yeah. Feline. And the, 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 the lady who was the barista there, she, she looks at me and goes, he kind of plays like that, doesn't he? <laughs> I'll never forget it. That told me as much about Patrick oh. Hornquist, the player, uh, as anything I've got for you on the ice. A living, breathing mantra. That's, he is on the ice. That's who he is. He will be someone that I know Pittsburgh will miss. Mm -hmm, for sure. No question about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Halftime Adjustments. Have a great evening. Thanks.